What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Rohan Nodgurney. Rohan, how was your weekend? Pretty good, Mike. Uh, can't complain. Had some friends in town. It was a little warm in Los Angeles, mm. uh, but you know it's November. I'm not complaining about it being a little warm. So I had a good time. Uh, yeah, no complaints. How about you? Sounded like you were complaining a little bit about the temperature, which really bugs me. No, because... I was just I was just mixing in facts. I just wanted to give people a full <laughs> picture of uh, you know what was going on. My parka is. Not fully unpacked, but it's we're taking steps mentally and physically towards right. taking it out of the closet, and I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to go there. Not happy about it, but I don't you know. own any coats anymore. I have to visit New York in uh, late December for a wedding, and I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to borrow a coat. I don't own a coat anymore. All right. Well, that statement by you just depressed the living hell out of me. So we're going to have to just move on to basketball right now. In today's episode, you and I are going to open up the mailbag to chat about surprising player leaps, um, why Rohan, you hate the Utah Jazz, and so much more. But first, a quick reminder to please keep those emails coming in, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Rohan, before we start answering some listener questions, I wanted to do a little three-week check-in and talk about some preseason predictions that we either got right or wrong, specifically as it relates to the performance of some teams that we were either really high or really low on coming into this season. So why don't you kick things off and tell me a team that you were most incorrect about heading into this season after watching them play about a dozen games? Uh, are we doing the thing where we're going to give multiple answers for a question? Because I got a couple already. I have a few as well. Yeah. I can't stick to one. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bulls and Hawks for this one, teams I was the most incorrect about. I think I really expected – I didn't think Chicago was going to be bad. I mean, I really loved the Lonzo signing. I'm a big Caruso guy, as we've discussed on this podcast many times now. And I didn't even hate the DeRozan signing. I just thought my only issue with the DeRozan signing was – could who were they bidding against? Did they maybe spend you know too much money for DeRozan? And if, frankly, the evidence hadn't been there that he could put up the, kind of the on-off numbers that he's put up so far this year. So I, it's not that I thought the Bulls wouldn't compete, but obviously they've they've been outstanding. Uh, they've been one of the best teams in the conference, and if not the league, uh, I, I don't think it's going to shock either of us if they finish with home court. Uh, I don't think it would shock me if they finished anywhere in the top four in the conference at this point. And that was not something I expected, I think, headed into the season. I think I expected them to be more in kind of the second half of the playoff bracket range. So they've been really good. They've played really well. I mean, even surviving the injury to Patrick Williams, they've still been playing really well after that, even though they don't have a ton of size in the front court. I really like what Derek Jones Jr. is doing for them, um, defensively especially. Heat culture, I, baby, right? I I mean, listen, he's a, I just think he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, his leaping ability, I mean, his offensive rebounding, uh, watching him, Lonzo, and Caruso, you know, whenever those guys or any two of those guys are on the court together, uh, they just play a fun style of basketball. So that's been really cool. On the flip side of that is the Hawks. They were the team I thought wait, was Wait, wait, be... let's, let's, oh. let's talk about the Bulls for a second. Because oh, wow. I actually the, had... The interrupter has become the interruptee. Yes, I, I learned yeah. from the best. I learned <laughs> from the best. Um, so the Bulls, I actually had in my... Um, which team were we most right about? But mm. with a partial... With, with an asterisk That's, here. Yeah. I, you know, no one in the world thought that they'd have a top five defense at this point in the season, I think, which is just kind of unfathomable. And the lineups that are just putting the clamps on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some of these groups and there's two, three really bad, poor, historically defenders in them. Like DeMar DeRozan's career, not a good defender. Zach Levine's career, maybe slightly underrated defender, but still not even at average, I would say, for his position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vucevic, who's missed a little bit of time because of health and safety protocols, like when he's on the floor, they've had a very good defense. So it's just been, and you mentioned Patrick 
uh, Williams just not being available, and he was mm-hmm. supposed to be kind of their lockdown guy. So the fact that they have a top five defense, no one expected. I did think that they would be very good. Um, I thought that Demar and Levine and Vooch would really be able to play together. I love the Caruso signing and everything he brings to the table in terms of upping their their tempo. Same with Lonzo Ball. Um, thought his three point shooting was real last season. And he's just been terrific, hitting 45% of his pull-up threes. So the dynamic he brings to the team, especially in the open floor, has been um, profound. So from that aspect, like overall, I'm not surprised that surprised by their success. But just like how they're getting there, I just don't know how sustainable it is because of um, the defense, which, you know, if this keeps up, then this team is just easily going to have a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. For sure. And I I will say, I mean, as far as their defense goes, bringing in, uh, you mentioned Lonzo, but Caruso. Um, I, I brought up Derek Jones Jr., but I do think they have good length that they're throwing at people on the perimeter and just a really athletic defense. And I will say, having someone like guys like Caruso and Ball who don't die on screens, who are guards that, are, that have length and are also willing to fight on screens makes such a big difference for your defense and it does help cover up for guys like DeRozan and Vooch because you're not asking them to scramble or cover more ground um, or protect the rim you know as much as you'd have to if they had guys who were not as adept on the perimeter as fighting through those screens so uh, really they have they have people on their defense who kind of set the tone and, and help uh, you know it's funny it's usually it's those backline defenders the help defenders that are the backbone of the defense and, and kind of saving it but theirs is the other way around and i think it's a credit to what their guys on the perimeter have done um but okay, where i was going let's let's, let's go to the hawks now let's go to the yes hawks. okay oh thank you okay thank you i can i can keep <laughs> giving my answer now thank you um uh i will say i was also incorrect about the hawks i thought they were going to be the top three seed i thought they were going to be the top four seed they looked like a team that was primed to kind of take a leap after what they did in the playoffs last season, it seemed like they found their formula for success. Uh, running those pick and rolls with Trey, surrounding them with shooters, uh, guys who can create a little bit off the dribble. They just had a very modern, well-constructed team, a lot of depth on the wing. Everyone was going to be healthy. This was going to be a focused. I would not, you know, wouldn't have shocked me if this team finished second even in the standings heading into the season just because they were young and I think going to be more motivated than, say, the Bucks or the Nets. In the regular season, instead, they've kind of scuffled a bit. They haven't looked great. Um, No one's really talking about them in the national conversation, the way Trey captured our imagination during the playoffs. he It's not like he's been in the MVP talk or anything like that. Uh, He was struggling to start the year. Some people were talking about the foul rules, etc. And now on top of that, DeAndre Hunter, who missed a big chunk of time last season, uh, came back in the middle of the playoffs and wasn't as effective. He's getting surgery again, missing eight weeks at least this time, according to Sham Strania. So I, that that's a team that I, I just thought they were like that young team that, that had kind of had the playoff heartbreak and now was going to, and that kind of etched their veteran status. They were going to be kind of a little bit more formidable now, a little bit more of a known entity. Uh, but instead, they've kind of fallen back, I think, a little bit closer to where the Hawks were entering last season as opposed to this one. Yeah. So I also had Atlanta here in this category and they're just, they've had a fascinating start to me. One that is really flummoxing in terms of like, you know, I did not expect their defense to be 28th or Mm -hmm. 27th, whatever it is in the league at this point. That's been very disappointing uh, you look at the free throw rate team wide. It was second best in the NBA last season. It was a huge part of their success. It's down to about league average, I believe, which is just like a, a, a huge plummet. Actually, it's way below league average. I'm sorry, I'm editing myself on the fly here. It ranks 23rd in the league according to Cleaning the Glass. But you know, there were also elements of this team coming in that made me. I was very high on them, but made me like okay, like be a little cautious. And like you look at the net rating of this team in the playoffs last year when they went on their run, it was negative. They had a negative net rating, which I don't think a lot of people talk about too much. And they were bad when healthy all of last season. When everyone they have too many cooks in the kitchen, 
And that was a big theme in the, the cover story I wrote about Trey and the Hawks coming into this season. So you talk about DeAndre Hunter's injury. Frankly, you know, it sounds messed up to say this. I think that's going to be really good for them. Interesting. Uh, and I, mean, I think he's it, such an important player to what they want to do, though, Mike. No, no doubt about it. He's humongous. But when you talk to all the players on the team about the need to sacrifice and how difficult that is, all of them talked about rhythm and how tricky it is as a young player to know kind of um, if you don't know when your shots are coming. Like, like if you watch Cam Reddish right now this season, basically when he touches the ball, he shoots the ball because he doesn't know yeah. when he's going to get it back and he doesn't know his place and he doesn't really know his role. Or maybe they told him his role was, hey, you're going to be our Jamal Crawford off the bench. And that maybe not be the best thing for the offense or the team's cohesiveness. So... I think that as things kind of simmer out, people can find their roles as, um, um, you know, uh, as with Hunter out, there's going to be just more opportunity, more minutes for other players. So I think that could be good. And I don't know. I think it's a really complicated puzzle. But if everything comes together and they're able to put it, all the pieces in the right spots, I still think that they're very, very good. And they could easily turn the season around. They've had the hardest schedule in the NBA so far, like by far hardest schedule. So, you know, they're coming off this 20 point victory against the Milwaukee Bucks, a Bucks team that didn't have Brooke Lopez or Chris Middleton. But I thought that that win, they were very impressive in a lot of ways. And we started to see just like how much better Kevin Herter can be in a bigger role and what Cam will look like in a different role with DeAndre Hunter out. So I'm fascinated by this team. I think their defense needs to pick it up a little bit, but I'm not panicking, but I definitely was not anticipating this much of a struggle from them. Well, two things. You brought up the negative net rating in the playoffs. That is funny of something people don't really talk about. People talk about that Philly series like it wasn't a seven-game series, like the Sixers didn't also somehow win three games. And um, blew like 24 yes, of 24-point point point lead. point leads, yeah. And, yeah, if, if they had taken Simmons off the floor in some of those fourth quarters – who knows? It just is. Uh, I I agree. There is some uh, revisionist history. It does feel like about that playoff series. I'm curious where you fall on the Cam Reddish DeAndre Hunter. There's some idea that the Hawks are eventually going to choose, you know, amongst their perimeter rotation guys. Maybe they won't be able to afford to keep all of them. Even though I think there's no reason for them not to. Projecting long term, is there one of those guys you'd rather have? Hmm. I mean, it's coming into this season. I think it was easily Hunter for me. Same. But I am. I'm not. I'm not off that response quite yet. I'm a little nervous about Hunter's ability to stay healthy now, frankly. And that the knee injury that he had last year. I mean, two surgeries. And yeah. you know, and that's he's young not, for to be having these many yeah. injury issues. Yeah. So that's not nothing. Um, his ceiling still seems to me like to to be like perennial all-star two-way mm. wing that every very good team needs and would be a perfect fit with what they have going for them. Uh, but Cam looks like he just looks really confident in a way that he had in, in his first two years right now. And like the bag is deep with Cam Reddish and yeah. I love it. And I think that He's also a very good, can be a very good two-way player who, you know, there's some day, there's some time, some day, if he gets traded to a different team, I can see him having a Paul George-esque career. So it's tough. Like, I don't know who is the better, who's the better player versus who's the better fit might be a different question um, and yield a different answer for this type That's of situation. It. So it's... Yeah, no, I, th- I just I think we're in the exact same spot because I really thought this was going to be like a DeAndre Hunter breakout season. I, I thought he was going to have, you know, he was going to be a big reason why they were going to be so playing so well and have a high seed, etc. And said he's got this injury and, and not quite looking, I think, playing to the potential we both think he has as that perennial two-way all-star. And you mentioned Reddish. I mean, yeah, he does maybe like to shoot because, there, like you said, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. But he has – I wish DeAndre Hunter had his creativity or his gumption sometimes. Like there's a little bit of, of each other's games. I wish they could steal from each other uh, because Cam Reddish does have that little bit of, I think, 
more irrational confidence that you kind of need sometimes. Like DeAndre Hunter seems to always want to do the right thing. Not that Cam Reddish is doing the wrong thing, but DeAndre Hunter doesn't seem to go off script as often. He says how I would describe it. So uh, it's a, it is an interesting, not dilemma, but kind of situation, I think, to keep an eye on on the wing there. But yeah, the Hawks, man, they've been... Uh, the defense being as poor as it's been, because historically, it's, I mean, it's been good when Capella's been on the floor. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But it's been... Uh, I think they'll be fine, but I do also think I wasn't necessarily expecting them to make it back to the conference finals anyway this season. But I'm a little surprised mm-hmm. at uh, how the regular season is shaking out for them. Yeah, they're just they've gotten pillaged at the rim, which is not was not the case at all last year. Last year they were very good that's defending a great, the rim. That's a great use of pillaged. Thank you. Yeah. Um, pillaged is an underrated word in my yeah. opinion. They've been sieged um, yeah, at the rim, so yeah. <laughs> I always got excited when I saw it in a history book growing up. So, shout out to so- social studies. I don't know big, about that big one. Big subject that, for me. I don't know about that one. That's usually <laughs> not. It was never cool when someone got pillaged in, throughout history. I'll just throw that out there. I don't want to co-sign that That's thing. That's a fair, fair anti-pillaging yeah, fair counterpoint yeah. Fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so um so tell me some teams or a team that you feel like hey consensus was thinking this and i thought this and i'm right so double middle fingers up to everybody and all my skeptics <laughs> Um, I got, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I had them as the number one seed. But as you know, uh-huh. Mike, I, I was talking about the Warriors when we were talking season preview ideas for Sports Illustrated. What do we want to do for our season preview show? I kept talking about the Warriors. Um, I've been calling that, you know, a week or two ago, I think I called them the most dangerous team in the West. Uh, I, I just, I have so much faith in Steph and Dre together that... Obviously, last year, you know, they were a playing team. They ended up not making the playoffs, but Steph was coming back from injury. They were trying to work in Wiseman, and, and you know, Kerr said at the beginning of the season, we're not really chasing wins. Uh, and, and it felt like they didn't really push like they should have pushed. This year, they still have the young guys on the roster. When you look at who they're playing, it's Bielitsa, it's Otto Porter, it's Andre Iguodala. Iguodala's been, Iguodala's been incredible this season. He's been really good. He looks like he's found the fountain of youth there. Uh, I think Wiggins is, is playing very well in his role. And I, mean, I just think you surround Steph and Dre with capable vets, and, and this is what you get. You get a really good team. Now, I know you and Chris talked about them on the pod last week. I think you guys did bring up some good points. A lot of home games. Schedule's been good to them. Uh, you know, There are reasons why maybe their success has been so great early in the season. At the same time, they're far and away the best team uh, in net rating in the NBA. They've been great on both sides of the ball. I, I, yeah, I, I'm going with the Warriors. I, again, I'm not going to pretend like I thought they were going to be this great, but I had a lot of faith in, in bringing in capable guys around Stephen Dre. And, and once they get Clay back, I mean, I think the t- the ceiling is, is title. I, I think they're, they're right up there with any team in the league. The ceiling is definitely title, I would say, for the Warriors. Uh I, I like how you, you called Andre, what did you use the word, amazing to describe Andre? Shooting 19% from the three-point line, averaging His defensive numbers game, have so. been outstanding. I, I mean, look, at, they've been the best defense of the league, and they're defending their asses off when he's on the court. I know sure. he might not be sure. the steal, to... Nemanja Bielitsa, but Mike, exactly. I get Thank it. You. I get it. You're Put one some of respect those guys. on Nemanja you're... Bielitsa's name. Mike, you're one of those guys. You look at the box score. You see how many points someone scored, and that's what you used to determine if they had a good game or not. I get it. You're one of those. You don't. You know. That you don't could care be if the good defense. worst read <laughs> on my taste and what I do that I've ever heard. But no, no you're it's, just. It's, it, you, it's you're more just about, it's you know, more about you're just playing NBA 2K. You're not you. You've never you haven't watched the basketball <laughs> yeah, game in me. years. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> so I so the Warriors. I was you know I thought that they could be really good. I think they were in my top tier when we did the tiers episode um, with a, three other teams in the Western Conference. So obviously I was pretty high on them. This is surprising to me how good 
everything looks and how similar all of their offensive numbers are to when they were like in the middle of a dynasty uh really like the off-ball cutting um or i should say the off-ball screens the cutting um the like seconds per touch how the ball just hops better in golden state than in any other city in the league like it's it's just really fun to watch them play and steph is probably the mvp draymond is probably the defensive player of the year uh you add the right pieces around those guys clay hasn't even come back but you add the pieces that they did bielitsa iguodala um, Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, those two kind of emerging as really central forces. You had Kaminga last night, even though they lost. He looked like, okay, they might have something here with Kaminga. Like, that would be ridiculous if he was able to crack their rotation and give them 15 minutes a night this mm-hmm. season. So, yeah, like, championship is definitely the ceiling. I think I thought that as well, but I did not expect them to, like, double up on net rating three weeks into the season on the second best team. That was not, um, I mean, a week ago you were telling me you were still higher on Utah than golden state. So it's good to see. We're going to get to Utah. It's it's going to get to to Utah. Coming coming to the light, the side of the light. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that we brought you over here, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know. We're going to talk about Utah in a sec. Okay. Okay. So can I I tell you a team team now that I, feel that you were right about Rohan. <laughs> all right i i'll say my team mike but i only because i think it's a team that we're gonna both have on our list on teams we were right about and i'm gonna say the la lakers oh wow you know i actually i didn't have them on my list but i 100 percent agree that was an oversight on my part uh, no that's okay i mean i just think we dedicated a lot of podcast space before the season to how we were both deeply skeptical of the Lakers, thought they lost the Russell Westbrook trade, thought that, Facts. you know, LeBron was a little bit of a, is he getting older? And now he's hurt. We were, can Russ carry the team when LeBron is not there? He hasn't quite done that. Uh, we had a lot of questions about their depth. Melo has been great, but the shooting is clearly unsustainable. They're somehow eight and six, which is to me shocking. Like they are the way they're talked about, you would think they're something like four and twelve, but the net rating is a negative. LeBron, we still have no clue when he's going to come back. Their wins are either like these thrillers where they squeak by a team, but their losses are like almost always debilitating in some way. Uh, yeah, I just think that they've been. Every bit of a conundrum and question mark as we thought they would be heading into the season. And if we were able to predict all these possible pitfalls and they're coming through, I'm not quite sure how the front office didn't see it, but that's where we are. And so I will, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw the Lakers. I thought, I thought you were ready to just gleefully dump all over them. I'm shocked they weren't on your list. I thought you were getting ready to, we were going to have to call well, the ISO, put you on the block and let you cook, you know? <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think they didn't probably because while we will be proven right, it's it's. I find it hard to like beat up on this team with LeBron James missing over half their games. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that wasn't necessarily caked into why I thought they would struggle when he was healthy. They were struggling and beating up on really bad teams. They were struggling against quality teams because the fit with Westbrook has been atrocious. But, you know, Frank Vogel over the past couple games, at least, has decided to start Anthony Davis at the five. So we're making baby steps in the right direction. Um, proud of the Lakers for that. Another and you thing make that a we, good point. We, we talked about. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Frankly, the yeah. fact that that took a dozen games is like a sham. But yeah. the... The, the So on Cleaning the Glass, there's this stat called win differential, which is basically the difference between the number of games the team mm. has, won has won and what would be expected. expected. Yes. Right. Based on their expected efficiency differential. And uh, no surprise, the Lakers are first in that category. <laughs> of um, course, right. So they should not be – they're not really an 8-6 and six team. Yeah. And I think that that should be factored in when you look at them right now. Um, the Grizzlies, you know, I remember, were another team that had a – negative net rating and 
a 500 record or above they're up there yeah record. they actually rank yeah. they rank fourth in this yeah. stat um so the lakers you know i want to give it a little bit more time frankly um i want to see you know i want to see russ look a little more comfortable than he has uh and that's just like more style of play thing than oh is russ gonna hit his threes tonight i don't think that that's ever gonna happen that ship has sailed but him playing in better lineups that are just more conducive to his own success surrounded by um shooting and ad rolling at the five i just i think that i, I want to wait and see with that because i think that there is a possibility that they turn things around but right now i think yeah we've been right about this um the other team if only they that could I, play the heat every night and malik monk could hit all every single one of his yes shots and tyler hero and could miss like, all of his free throws yeah, yeah and look like prime That's another one michael jordan yeah <laughs> Um, so the other team that I, I feel like I, I want to take a little victory lap on is the Clippers. Um, ah. So that's a team that... That's yeah, been a roller coaster like, ride for you. That's been a roller coaster ride for you. It's it's it started bumpy, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I always thought just even watching the team play that they would figure things out. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, they have. They look really good. Um Obviously, no Kawhi. Even without Marcus Morris, you know, they went on a seven-game winning streak, beat some, not like the greatest defensive teams in the history of the NBA, but some quality competition, um, including a really nice win over the Miami Heat. Uh, So, you know, Paul George, he's just like a, he's he's an MVP candidate straight up. Yeah. It was a, right, it was a fine win, but it was a a necessary win. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the listeners are smart. They understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, I when I looked at this team, and I wrote about this before the season began, really, it was just like, okay, they have a top 10 player, pseudo top 10 player, whatever, you know, we can quibble, Paul George. That's mm-hmm. a start. And then they just have tons of shooting, tons of two-way talent, all these lineups that can play big, that can play small. Um, Hartenstein has been great. Um, a greater fit than I thought. And frankly, like Serge Ibaka might not crack the rotation again. <laughs> uh, Terrence Mann is like all an all defensive guard who picks up the other player, the other point guard, 94 feet like Patrick Beverly did last year, except he's a little bit more dynamic offensively with a little bit more size. Luke Kennard's hitting every three takes. Justice Winslow hasn't really even looked good. And he was one of the reasons why I thought they were going to be good. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the Clippers. I think they're playing great basketball right now. No, I think that's a great a great call by you. I think we both like the Clippers headed into the season. Something that never made sense to me was how many people were kind of poo-pooing them or, or not talking about them or, or shoveling a little bit of dirt on them headed into the season when they played so well in the playoffs last season without Kawhi. They were really good. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, like they weren't a favorite, but it wouldn't have shocked me if they ended up winning the title even without Kawhi, frankly. That's how good they were playing. They knocked out the Jazz practically uh, without him. They had a great series with the Suns. I mean, you guys remember the Valley Oop. Like, that that series was neck and neck. Um, they should have won that series. I will go to my grave believing that. <laughs> Sorry, Suns fans. And then you, you know, they start this season. I think they started, what, one in four, one in five? Um but a f- couple of their losses very early were, were close games. I mean, that Warriors game was a, a thriller to start the season there. So, yeah, I- I'm not surprised either. I think they've been really good. Uh, you mentioned Paul George. I think he was like, a, a, what was he, at? like 28-7-5 or something. His statistics have been nuts. Uh, it, picking up where he left off in the playoffs. And they're doing that with Reggie Jackson, not looking like the Reggie Jackson we know and love. Not looking like, you know, Mr. July, Mr. Jude. I don't know what we were calling him. In the playoffs, but once they get second round Reggie Jackson back, I, this team is going to take off. Uh, I, I I really like their depth. I mean, you mentioned the guys. I mean, even Marcus Morris is a valuable player for them. They have good flexibility when Huge healthy. Player. Yeah, uh, I think Luke Kennard has, has really come on strong since the playoffs as well. So, yeah, I I, I think we both kind of liked uh, the Clippers headed into the season. I got to give you credit though. You wrote about it. You really. Uh, staked your claim so i I respect it but that was a great call and i I never understood why people were so low on them or just kind of wrote them out of the conversation entirely when they still have really good players and paul george is yeah you mentioned he can be a top 10 player any given night yeah so 
just a little pat on my own back there, even though the Clippers could easily fall into a tailspin because um, <laughs> that's just what the NBA – this NBA season is – I personally love it when it's like this. Um, every night, no one knows, you just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been it's been so much fun. I just did the power rankings and even like writing the blurbs for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go check that out on SI.com, by the way. But even writing the blurbs for that, it's just like it's tough. I can't like say anything too definitive about any team. It's mm-hmm. like every description ends in an ellipsis as opposed to like an exclamation point. Was how I was thinking about it. But okay, I want to now pivot Rohan and I want to talk Utah Jazz because. Okay. You sent, I know you love when I do this, but you sent a text to myself and Chris Herring. Why are you such a snitch? Co-host on this podcast over the weekend that was very, um, you know, I think I described it as rude. It was rude the way you were rude taking shots I, I at the took Utah the time Jazz. To listen. I actually take the time to listen to the podcast that you and Chris do. And somehow I'm Thank the you. rude one. <laughs> Even though I, I, I don't ever get texts from you guys about the shows that I'm on, but it's cool. I'm on all the shows, so I know what <laughs> happens on them. I don't need to be texting anyone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, and by, by the way, I did text you guys when you you did a bang-up job um, last Monday, and I sent you a text. I was like, that was a great episode. No, you're right. I, that I, Rowan I knew, was coming at Brad I, Stevens. I knew that I was lying immediately, so... Yes, that's okay. I apologize, yeah. Um, Okay, back to the Jazz. So, uh, okay, so the Jazz, you know, they've lost four of their last five. They still rank third in net rating. They're 12th in defensive rating. They're second in um, offensive rating as we record this. And I don't... I just find them to be a really fascinating team. And I, I, I don't like the... And this... No shots at you, but I don't like the, like, wake me when it's the postseason for Utah um, way to process this team. Because I think that, you know, it's fascinating on its own how a team responds to such a disappointing loss in the playoffs as they did last year with fundamentally the same roster. And they know that, you know, they have the same coaching staff, they have the same basically everybody, and they know that they're going to have to do something different if they want to get where they want to go. And there still could be a trade um, easily before the trade deadline. I would actually be surprised if they didn't make one. Um, just, just a lot of pressure on this team. So I want to just like throw the fundamental question out to you. Do you feel like Utah's fate is sealed based on what you've seen from them play so far? I know they've stumbled pretty hard. Um, of late, including some bad losses to your Miami Heat. Just what's your take on the Jazz these days, Rohan? So it's a bad loss when you lose to the Heat, and it's a good one when you beat them. I see how it is. Uh, I Listen, I know that you don't like the wake-me-up when it's the postseason, but th- that, only, that only applies to, I think, one or two teams a year. And I'm not someone who wants to disrespect the regular season or disrespect the journey, or not appreciate the process, etc. It just is, we know what they are. You mentioned they brought back almost in, entirely the same roster. They made a couple of tweaks that I think we like. Rudy Gay hasn't played, but really, but we like that signing and think it's going to be useful in the playoffs. I'm still going to be surprised, frankly, if they close with Rudy Gay in a playoff game over Rudy Gobert. I still don't see that happening, even though that's ostensibly why they brought him in. They just, Mike, there's there's so much sameness there. I mean, you look at it. They're still shooting a ton of threes, etc. I do think their defense is going to pick up. That's why, if it was the inverse, I think I'd be a little bit more worried if their offense was out of the top ten. Because that is something I may be less confident year to year how that was going to carry over offensively their shooting, etc. The fact that they're still potent from that end of the floor, I think speaks better to their chances i we all know what gobert can do defensively uh they have a good defensive team so i I, and you mentioned they're still third in net rating so i think they're still really good it just i i don't mean to minimize the gargantuan task that is even just making it through an nba regular season only that we know who they are we they've had the same team for basically three or four years now uh 
they, we just have to see what they can do. We have to see if they're willing to do something different. And unfortunately, with a team like that, we're not going to find out until they're in a really high leverage moment. So I I hear that I hear what you're saying. Um, I guess what I think about it is like teams that are very very good, which Utah is, that make sense, that play well, and are hell to defend and to score on. It's like, what are we even doing if, like, we're just giving up on a team like this and don't think that they can win like what 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 value is the regular season and i'm a i'm a personally a regular season cynic a little bit but like what value is there if you are you know they have a historic net rating last year they lose in the uh the second round can't get out of the second round like what are we even doing with the regular season if like a team can be that good and have no chance in the playoffs based on how they play i i I think they do have a chance. And so I want to see, like, I think that a lot, there's a lot of lucky breaks, a lot of bad lucky breaks that kind of go into postseason basketball. And sometimes we get a little, um, a little too definitive about what we think about teams based on, you know, maybe 10 games. Yeah. And the Hawks, right? In those games. Right. Sure. Yeah. It goes the other way as well. Philly series that Embiid bounces in that layup in game four, and it's a different conversation. So, like, I kind of think that this team can be similar. There are obvious differences, but can be similar to the Milwaukee Bucks of last season, where it's like they come in, no one cares what they do in the regular season. Meanwhile, in the regular season, they're, like, subtly changing how they play. They're switching a little bit more. And then they get into the playoffs, and they're able to kind of use – how they evolved during the regular season to their advantage. Now the big difference, obviously, number like there's two. Number one, like they don't Giannis, have Giannis. Who, yeah, like they, they, yeah, they, yeah, it's they a had, pretty they, like big the Bucks, difference, Mike. It's like uh, yeah, so they yeah, had, they always uh, said just Giannis. a couple clarifications. Uh, they're a lot like the Bucks. They just don't have someone who could put up. 50 points in a finals game. Uh. So, first of all, they do. They, <laughs> they have do. someone yeah, who can put... Yeah. But, 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 but. Um, so, that there's that. The other thing is, like, um, the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday. That was, like, the big yes. thing yes. for last season. The Jazz, uh, they, they signed, signed Rudy Gay, who has not played this... Hassan Whiteside, Heat culture, baby. Um, and who, Whiteside looks okay, but like he's Hassan Whiteside. We yeah, know what he is. Yeah. He's not Drew Holiday. He's not like like of course, definitively yeah, of course, upgrading of yeah, yeah. a big sore spot. Um, so like my question from there is just like, is there anything this team can do in your eyes to like win the title? Or do you feel like because they have Rudy Gobert um, and they have to play him big minutes – that like unless they were to make a trade for someone else who allowed them to play a dramatically different style, not like Eric Pascal, someone who's like very good, worth like you know uh, eighteen million dollars a year, twenty million dollars a year. If they make a trade like that, um, they could win the. T- so like, what what do you what do they do? I guess is my question to you if you don't think that they can win. Part of the problem is, and and again, is not to minimize the regular season, but we've said it before on this show, it's a different game. The playoffs are a different game than regular season basketball. It's just a different style of play, a different sport. Like, what you do well in the regular season doesn't necessarily carry over to the playoffs. I mean, your half-court offense becomes a lot more important. Uh, Matchups, etc. It just becomes so much, so much different. What could they do? Uh, I think my biggest fear with them, Mike, to kind of circle back to that Giannis thing is, are their best players good enough to be the best players on a championship-winning team? And that's where it gets tricky. I really like Donovan Mitchell, and I think that we... I told Chris Herring this last week, maybe we had him too low at 24 on our top 100. But is he good enough to be the number one guy? Okay, let's say he is. Is Gobert good enough to be the number two? That's where it gets really dicey. Uh, 
I, what can they do? I think outside of making a trade, if Gobert can prove that he can take advantage of smaller players when other teams go small, then I would feel like now they have something. Now they've mixed in a new wrinkle because Gobert has taken a leap that he hasn't shown yet where, listen, Gobert's a really good player and it's not like he doesn't get criticized, but at some point he also does have to take the onus on himself a little bit where there are times when he has a guard switched onto him and the team's not looking at him. And I understand no one, you know, teams don't want to dump the ball on the post anymore, etc. But... Mm-hmm. What's the what's playoff basketball about? It's hunting mismatches, right? It's finding a switch, getting your best guy on a switch that works for them, and letting them attack it. Well, can Gobert maybe add that wrinkle to his game? Can he take even a marginal leap in that area? Because that's something that can make a tangible difference. It sounds silly, but if he if he can do that for three possessions in a playoff game, and that forces a coach to switch out of a defensive alignment, and now the Jazz are able to go on a run, etc., that could swing a playoff game. So that's, I mean, if we're looking at something that's going to come from within, I, I think that's an option. But otherwise, like you said, I mean, they brought back the same team, so I don't know why my expectations for them should change necessarily. So they're switching a little. You can tell, like, they're trying to switch more, and it's just been mostly disastrous and you saw that in milwaukee last year that's like the way i bring the parallel with milwaukee mostly because milwaukee was just so similar in how they played and what they thought they needed to do to get to the next level stylistically so when you watch utah and they're like there's just obvious miscommunication with switches and late switches and they don't know um you know two guys are pointing at each other always and meanwhile someone's cutting to the basket for a layup and so when they lose now I don't get that stressed about it, and I think it'll it'll help them in the long run. But what you say about Rudy is really smart. It would be wonderful if he was more of an offensive threat. And in the playoffs, nobody guards him. They're fine switching smalls on him. They switched Reggie Jackson on him over and over and over again in that series and won. So Rudy becoming a little bit more of a post presence, and frankly, Utah really um, going a little bit more in that direction and. I don't know, emboldening Rudy to be more of a post-presence might help, but that just might not be ever who he is, and that's that's okay. I still think whenever I watch Utah, the big problem in the playoffs is the perimeter defense, and mm. I just want them so badly to get that big, like strong wing who can guard fours, who can play the four on offense and defense, but can also switch on to a smaller ball handler and do fine. Um, Royce O'Neal is like the only plus um, like perimeter defender on this Uh team. And like, that's just, that's what it always comes down to with me and the Utah Jazz. And I just wonder if this year is finally going to be the year where like before the trade deadline, I know that they don't have a lot of picks, but scrounging together whatever you can and adding it to like Jordan Clarkson or Mm -hmm. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles or... Like, I don't know, because, but, like, you know, if they were to think, just think about Utah, like, think about Utah with Jeremy Grant, right? Yeah. Like a Jeremy Grant type. Wouldn't that be just, like, absolutely, uh, like, transformational in how you view them? Because it would for me. I would be like, this team is going to win the title now. I think this is the missing piece. And that's going to be the question for me if they can actually swing a deal like that for a player like that you saw it last year with denver and aaron gordon that's the Mm -hmm. type of trade i want to see utah make i know that they don't have a lot of resources i just don't think you can go into the playoffs with like i love joe ingles um jordan clarkson just won six men a year but like they're gonna have to give up something to make the changes that they need to i think particularly in the perimeter defense area I, you know, it's funny. I bet they would tell you they made that Drew trade a year earlier when they did the Conley trade, right? Which I think that's what they would kind of argue. That was the third quote unquote star we brought in. Fair. And what's Fair. and what's kind of crazy, I mean you talk about the thin line of the NBA playoffs and as much guff as we kind of give the Jazz, they quote you know, they blow the three one lead in the bubble. Conley misses a lot of games in that series. 
His shot in game seven at the end of that crazy sequence rims out. He almost won that series, Mike. Uh, that yeah. was a crazy game. Denver almost blew it in a in an absolutely mind-numbing way uh, in that game seven, and Conley was going to be the reason why. So and, and they have shown a willingness, so I do want to commend them for that because I thought the Conley trade was great. I remember headed in that summer – Rubio was their point guard, and I was like, can they maybe get Kyle Lowry if the Raptors are going to blow this thing up post-Kawhi? They go out and get Conley instead. So I, I do think they, they have a willingness. The perimeter defense thing I, I do think has been – that's another one of those things where it's easier to cover up for something like that in the regular season when teams aren't mismatch hunting as much. Uh, they aren't putting a, the spotlight on Gobert as much, et cetera, and it becomes a, a more magnified issue in the playoffs – uh, when teams kind of really narrow their focus of what they want to do offensively. So, uh, yeah, I, I wonder who's out there. I do wonder if Detroit is going to maybe look to move on from Jeremy Grant at some point. I, I do like that. Please, just, please, I hope so. <laughs> you say that wearing the Pistons hoodie today, which is really funny. Um, yeah, you came yeah. In, you, 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 <laughs> I don't usually... You, I don't usually like to wear my NBA paraphernalia um, when we do these videos, but uh, I felt like I this think was you a should. I don't know why. I don't know why we should be anti NBA paraphernalia on this uh, podcast. I think that's a you know we're here. We all we like the NBA. There's okay. no secret. You know what I mean? I don't. Yes, think we're, it's we're true. Not, we do. We, we do like, love the NBA. We like. We like. Guess what we like? <laughs> we like basketball. We like slam dunks. Cool NBA uniforms. Very fair. Cool NBA logos. Um, Stuff NBA stuff from the '90s. We love all of it. Um, so I, I I do like the idea of them maybe bringing someone in the perimeter. I mean, I like that them making a change because I don't think they're quite at the Portland level where it's like, how many years are we going to run it back with this exact same core, etc. But how long mm-hmm. have we seen you know the Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Mitchell, Gobert, Jazz? It's you know it's like what is a long-running sitcom on TV right now? I don't even know. They're like the Big Bang Theory. They put up massive numbers. Uh, the people on the show stay the same, but literally no one talks about them. That's that's who they are. Uh, so, and the Big Bang Theory is, guess what? It's massively successful. You know, Sheldon or whatever his name is got the spinoff and like 30 million bucks an episode or whatever the, you know, the hell he makes. Uh, to be on that stupid show, so so good for them. Uh, I, I just I like the idea of them mixing it up, making a trade, something. What I'll say about that is they do have to be cautious, because while I I think in general mm, I don't think you feel this way. I know I do. I I can't speak for you. I like when teams take risks. I like when they kind of go for it. And. One reason I really respected Daryl Morey's Rockets tenure is because even if they never won, he made the bold play instead of playing it safe and wondering if we'll get lucky. He said, I'm going to make the bold move and see if it gets my team over the top, even if it didn't always work out. I'd like to see the Jazz take that move, and I wouldn't criticize them if it didn't work uh, because sometimes you need to make the bold move. Uh, You just have to be really careful because... That, that those are those risk reward scenarios where either it works fantastically and you win or it doesn't work and now you're in a worse spot than you were before all well said let's revisit the jazz soon um i i enjoy watching them play basketball uh i enjoy watching donovan play basketball a quick stat about them last year i mean they lead the league in three-point rate for the second season in a row last year they were the fourth most accurate in three-point percentage and this year they're 27th in three-point percentage so that is also a factor in them losing games okay well mike can i actually wrap up can i actually wrap up our conversation about the jazz okay yes sure uh help settle you know i'm in los angeles i live in los angeles as i mentioned Yesterday, I was driving to the airport and uh, drove by the highway where they filmed La La Land, famous a movie famously about jazz. Curious if you if you land on an opinion pro pro or against for or against La La Land. Never seen it. Um, wow. Okay. Never. Never will. Wow. Never um, will. So. 
that's okay. I think that's the answer. I, I think that's the answer. Lonely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Team Moonlight forever. And yeah, whatever. I'm gonna well, pit I those two against know. each other I, for I no don't reason. Know why we have to pit those? Two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go Moonlight. Okay. So let's get to this email. We'll close on with um, this wonderful email from Liam, who writes. Even though we have only had a small sample size, it's safe to say that there are a lot of players taking pretty big leaps this season. Some of them we saw coming from a mile away, some we never even thought about. So I was wondering what players who have taken leaps this season have surprised you the most? Also, what players who have taken jumps surprised you the least? Uh, So I'll just start real quick with a not surprising one that I'm sure you agree with. Um. That is John ja Morant. Uh, that's yep. just the every he's the en vogue still, even though Memphis has really taken a tumble. Uh, John ja Morant's numbers are through the roof. He's still unguardable. He's still um, a magician on the basketball court. He, he will, is pound for pound, maybe the most fun guy to watch in, in the league right now. Maybe Steph is always going to be Steph, but there's it's the newness uh, okay, of Morant yeah. and kind of just the. I don't want to say we're taking Steph for granted, but it's just kind of the the youthful bounce of John Morant really makes him. It's just so unpredictable. Yes, one hundred percent. When you said like maybe pound for pound the most exciting, I was like, who is? And then you said Steph, and I was like, okay, I'll give you Steph. Steph is also very fun. Um, but Ja is just he's a wonderland. Love watching him play basketball and <laughs> he's a wonderland. He's, he's a wonderland. <laughs> um, so so Ja, yes, that would be uh I think guys who've made a leap who we we just knew. It's like the it's the third year. That's typically third or fourth year is when players this talented, second overall pick, make leaps and so Ja did not surprise me at all. Who who did not surprise you who's taken a big leap, Rohan? Well, Ja, I think, was definitely up there. This one, I wouldn't even say it's a big leap. But I, it's not surprising to me that Paul George has been in the MVP conversation. Because I, I, I think okay. that... I, I, I just, I just want to really respect the work Paul George has done this season and what he was doing coming <laughs> out of the playoffs last year. And I, I, uh-huh. I know it's a little bit of a curveball here, but... He's been so good. And, you know, I, I regret not putting him even in the honorable mention of my MVP column that I wrote last week. Obviously, the Clippers continued winning since then. But, uh, I, and I know that Liam's probably like wondering, like, why the hell am I talking about Paul George right now? Not one of these younger players. But I, I think it's fair to say there were some questions. Oh, can he be a number one guy? What's Paul George's ceiling? We don't trust him in the playoffs, etc. And he's been really, really good. So I did want to. Sh- I did want to shout out uh, Paul George, um, and it wasn't surprising to me only because I've always had faith in him. Uh, I mean, I, I can give you a guy who I'm <laughs> very surprised about. Okay. I mean, the obvious one's got to be Miles Bridges. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, that's not who I have here, but I what? am surprised by Miles Bridges. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's uh, having no, that, one of that's the... A good, I agree, I agree, I agree. He's having one of the best bet on yourself and then double down seasons, I think, in the history of modern professional basketball and that he turned down a four-year, $60 million contract in the offseason. And I think headed into this season, we would have been like, wow, it would have been great for Miles Bridges to get Mikhail Bridges money like 40 years 90 million that'd be spectacular for him would it shock you if he got a max offer as a restricted free agent in the summer I, yes I, I don't think <laughs> that it would I, actually shock me I would not shock me if some small market team or somebody says yeah we'll throw the, the bag at Miles Bridges and let him be our number one scorer etc I mean I think he's taking a leap that no one saw coming I think he's going to be an all-star and, and rightfully so uh, I I did not see that coming. I've always liked his game. You talk about guys who are fun to watch. Him out on the fast break, uh, dunking, etc. But the fact that he has increased his volume and efficiency at the same time, I, I think he's been uh, the, to me the runaway breakout player of the season. And I'd be shocked if he did not win Most Improved. 
Okay, so player a player who has who has taken a leap that has shocked me even more than Bridges in the nicest possible way. Um, Orlando Magic point guard Cole Anthony. Mm. I, uh, I I don't know if you know this about me. Rohan, you could have stopped at Orlando Cole- Magic, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> when when Cole Anthony was 16 years old, I went to his home and uh, interviewed basically his entire family and wrote this profile about him and got to know him a little bit, watched him work out a bunch of times, hung out. Um, really, he, at the time, he was like, it was like him and Zion were kind of vying for the number one like prospect in that class. It was like, him zion rj barrett i think that was the high school class and you know he goes to college gets hurt draft stock falls falls to orlando has a season last year that's like okay what is this player gonna be is he you know he's running a million pick and rolls he's very inefficient super athletic but like the three ball isn't falling so you know can he be a high usage primary ball handler it didn't look like it last season um and then this year it's like okay his three-point rate has skyrocketed and he's making the threes he's getting to the free throw line he's grabbing rebounds and going for rebounds like he's russell westbrook um the the the, like this there's a a drop in selfishness in terms of shot selection i feel when i watch him play and it's just awesome like i i I was always trying to stay really optimistic about him and to see him get to where he is this early in his career and figure some things out. It's just been really fun. And he's a reason why I watch the Orlando magic probably more than any sane person should right now. I mean, we, we, I believe this came up last time we spoke on this podcast, but the magic starting five is great. Cole Anthony's been really good. Uh, Mo Bamba has been like playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, they have a, a few guys on the team who I think are actually playing uh, really well. Franz Wagner too. I think they can't rookies can't really make leaps, but I, I think that's a great pick. Cole Anthony's been another guy who's been fun. The post game interviews, I love it. I think it's great for guys to be given the space to improve i think a lot of young players the book is written on them too early in their careers and you know it gets written this guy is this he's never gonna be able to do xyz you know the magic i mean the mostly through benefit of just being bad we're like let's keep giving him the ball and lo and behold i think he's had an opportunity to develop and he's been really good so i, I think that's a great pick uh and listen they've had moments where like i you know i think they've actually been really good in her showing kind of finally the elements of a foundation of a good team. And it's going to be really interesting, I think, when Jonathan Isaac is kind of fully functional, how they decide to work him back in and kind of who becomes the best player on that team and what are their best lineups, et cetera. But for now, I I mean, I I think that's a great pick. He's been really, really good. Yeah, and especially, you know, you look at the draft, they take Jalen Suggs, who seemingly plays the same Mm -hmm. position, Markel Fultz, they just signed to an extension, so they obviously believe in him. And you're just kind of like, wow, did they already give up on Cole Anthony? Like, what yeah. is, what's the deal here? Because they just drafted him 15th overall. Um, so his play has been phenomenal and really fun. And um, I'm not going to go there with you on Mo Bamba just yet. <laughs> like, Mo Bamba, get, get in the post, my guy. Like, these Listen, threes, they're just shoot, too much bro. for me. <laughs> he wants to shoot. It's too much. It's just too much. I mean, come on, Mo. Come on. You're better than that. Um, Bro, he's spacing the so, floor. <laughs> yeah, he's spacing yeah. the floor all right. Yeah. Um, Rowan, do you have any other players who are making leaps, or can we kind of wrap up today's show on that I note? just, I would like to shout out, you know, Jordan Poole, I think, has been really good for the Warriors. I want to throw him out there. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I, I, I love the Cole Anthony pick, Miles Bridges. On my list, uh, I don't know if you have anyone else that you want to throw in the mix here. Not really. There were elements of players not making leaps that I wanted to shut up, but it, it seems too mean, so I'm not going to do <laughs> that it. That does and we seem can, a little mean, we, yeah. We, we can address on a, on a this later This guy hasn't improved at all, point. yeah. 
Exactly. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. So uh, thank you once again to all of our listeners for tuning in, for subscribing, and keep those emails coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everyone, please stay safe, and everyone, please continue to enjoy this wonderful NBA season. Whoa.